0: I hope everyone has had a wonderful week. I just wanted to start off this episode by saying that I'm actually in the process of moving, which is why there wasn't an episode last week. And because I'm in the process of moving, I don't actually have my ideal setup set up yet. Um, So if you hear any background noise, any kind of like traffic, stuff like that, that's why just try to ignore it. In the next couple of weeks here, I'm actually going to have a room set up to record my podcast in where there'll be very minimal outside noise coming in. Anyways, let's go ahead and get started with this week's episode. My name is Tiffany Trujillo, for those of you that don't know me, and this is the Moderate Millennial Podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be taking a look at some of the hypocrisy that has taken place over the past year and a half in regards to COVID lockdowns and restrictions. Well, it's happened time and time again. The left-wing politicians have implemented some sort of rule, restriction, or guideline, and then they themselves break it. So we're going to be taking a dive into some of those instances today. But first, I do have some intro topics for you guys. First and foremost, we do have to talk about New York Governor Andrew Cuomo putting in his resignation. He has been the center of multiple allegations of sexual harassment and inappropriate conduct. He announced on Tuesday, the 10th of this month, that he would be resigning from office. His resignation will not take effect for 14 days, but because I'm so happy about it, I'm just going to refer to him as the former governor from this point on. Um, his, um, there was a five month investigation, and New York State Attorney General Letitia James announced in a 168 page report last week that, quote, the governor engaged in conduct constituting sexual harassment under federal and New York State law. Specifically, we find that the governor sexually harassed a number of current and former New York State employees by, among other things, engaging in unwelcome and unconsensual touching, as well as making numerous offensive comments of a suggestive and sexual nature that created a hostile work environment for women. In announcing his resignation, Cuomo said his instinct was to fight through it, but that the controversy was politically motivated. Cuomo said, quote, The best way I can help now is if I step aside. He cited months of controversy, consuming government, and cost Cost to taxpayers as reasons he did not want the current trajectory of the investigation to proceed, Cuomo still denies the allegation, saying perhaps he was too familiar with some people, but didn't mean any harm. Yeah, okay, personally, I think there's more to the story, and that Cuomo maybe cut some kind of a deal that required him to vacate office um but you know, I suppose we're just going to have to wait and see. I can honestly say that I am glad to see him go as a person who has lived in New York um, for the past couple of years. I have seen firsthand the type of leadership he has. He's honestly not the kind of person that should be leading, especially if he is somebody who treats women in such a disrespectful way. I don't know what kind of thoughts he has in his head to think that kissing people is okay, kissing people that... You don't even know people that you don't have that sort of relationship with. He tried to say it's like an Italian thing. No, it's not. An Italian person has never come up and just kissed me on the face, nor have I ever seen an Italian person do it or have ever heard about it being their their cultural norm to do it. I think it's kind of like common sense that you wouldn't do that. Now, obviously, I know that in a lot of European cultures, people greet with like a quick kiss on the cheek. I think that that's different in a different sense. But come on, we've all seen these pictures of Cuomo just kissing people on the mouth. That is so disrespectful and so uncalled for. And I'm so happy to see him leave. Uh, But moving right along, we have some more news out of New York this past week or Maybe more than a week ago, but uh, Mayor Bill de Blasio of New York City announced that proof of vaccination, at least one dose, will be required for a large sum of activities in the city. Beginning August 16th, New York will become one of the first cities in the United States to require proof of full vaccination from the employees and patrons of restaurants, gyms, and indoor entertainment venues, such as movie theaters and concerts. Uh, they also announced two apps, the COVID Safe app, which was released by New York City, and the Excelsior app, which was released by New York State, which will allow people to show proof of their vaccine from the convenience of their smartphone. So you might be wondering, what if I don't live in New York City, but I want to travel there? Well, according to the order, anyone, resident or not, will have to show proof of vaccination to be allowed into certain places. Many people, politicians and civilians alike, have you know, been very critical of these vaccine passports. One person in particular, podcaster Joe Rogan, had quite a bit to say about it. He said they would bring the U.S. quote, one step closer to a dictatorship. He also called out CNN host Don Lamont for quote, openly talking about a future where only the vaccinated have the freedom to quote, do what they want and go wherever the fuck you want to go. Rogan said only, quote, dumb people would accept such restrictive rules, especially when the U.S. became the greatest superpower the world has ever known through the first, quote, experiment in self-government that actually worked. He continued on to say it would create a country where officials tell citizens, quote, you can't do what you want to do unless you do what I want you to do. He said he found it terrifying that some smart people are applauding such restrictions. He also predicted that officials would then not give that power up and force people to start carrying papers. And you know, he's absolutely right. Where does it end? We gave them an inch with the 15 days to slow the spread, and they took a mile. I mean, they probably took way more than a mile, (laughs) but you know, you know the saying, um, So what happens when everyone complies with this vaccine passport? That's the inch in this scenario. The vaccine passport is the inch in this scenario. So how far is the mile? Will New York eventually shut its borders and not allow any unvaccinated people in? Um, Are they going to start implementing this in more than just New York City? Are they going to push this to upstate New York? What's going to happen? I mean, this could get really out of hand. And let's remember that this vaccine is experimental and has still not been approved by the FDA. Being approved by the FDA is like the bottom, bottom, lowest requirement and a list of reasons to trust something like a vaccine. And these ones don't even have that. People should not be forced to be volunteers in an experimental trial, which is exactly what this is. Now they are they have been recently talking about it getting FDA approved um but there's still so much out there that hasn't been studied recently we've seen reports about the vaccine negatively impacting women's menstrual cycles um and the response to that well we don't know we don't know because we haven't studied it oh that's right you haven't studied it women people of color, and people of a lower socioeconomic background have been burned by these types of experiments before. Think of the birth control experiments in Puerto Rico, the Tuskegee syphilis experiments, and MKUltra. They have given people no reason to trust them, and when questioned, they simply accuse people of not following or trusting the science. No, we do trust the science, and the fact of the matter is, You don't have enough scientific evidence to back up your claims. You don't have scientific evidence of long-term effects, nor do you have scientific data to back up the claims that it is safe. Now, I'm not saying don't get vaccinated. I'm just saying that each individual should be allowed to do their own research and decide if it's something that would benefit them in the long run or not. Requiring a vaccine passport is one step below requiring people to wear gold stars on their arms and Mayor Bill de Blasio ought to be ashamed of himself for opposing this type of restriction. In other news, former President Barack Obama turned 60. Now, is it just me, or has time gone by, like, really fast? Because it seems like it wasn't that long ago uh, they were talking about um, how he was one of the youngest people to become the president at 47 years old. It, It just blows my mind that that's been, like, Thirteen years almost um well, anyways, he came under some fire for his birthday party, and y'all, this is hypocrisy at its finest, and it's interesting this happened this past week because of what the overall topic of this episode is today. Rules for thee, but not for me, so this party he had was supposedly scaled back well, with four four hundred people in attendance, I don't see how that's really scaling anything back, but okay. Well, let's just take a deeper look into what a scaled back event looks like, according to Mr. Obama. So like I had mentioned earlier, there were approximately 400, 400 guests in attendance, you know, like close family and friends. These close family and friends included the likes of Beyonce, Jay-Z, Gail King, Tom Hanks, and George Clooney, amongst many, many other A-list celebrities. No big deal, though, right? Just another Saturday night at the Obamas. Not a big event. Not a super spreader event, right? The event took place at their $12 million Martha's Vineyard Mansion. The scaled-back birthday party included a performance by Alicia Keys, who sang Happy Birthday, as well as John Legend. And to be honest with you guys, this is starting to sound more and more like an episode of My Super Sweet 16. Do, you, do any of y'all remember that show? <laughs> I'm I'm honestly just waiting for the part when Obama goes outside and Michelle presents him with a new card. He gets all mad because she didn't get him the right color. <laughs> okay, so, so get this. Guests were instructed that taking photos and videos was prohibited, but of course, some stuff still got leaked. Food, cocktails, specially branded napkins, face masks, and even the toilets were posted to social media. But the most interesting of all, A video of the former president dancing the night away, maskless. All right, I know what you're thinking. Big deal. They're all vaccinated. No problem. Well, as some of you may have already heard, the CDC recently put out new guidelines in regards to those vaccinated individuals. Per the CDC, they want even fully vaccinated individuals to wear masks if indoors, if in a public setting to reduce the risk of being infected with the Delta variant and possibly spreading it to others. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here and um, say that I would think a party of 400 people, even if it's at your house, 400 people, I think that would constitute as a public setting. So why the lack of mask? And let's just be clear. The CDC is only making a recommendation here. So Obama didn't technically break any rules. But when you're a prominent supporter of masks and vaccines and following CDC guidelines and and not to mention you have your little buddy in the White House talking down on people who choose not to get vaccinated or choose not to wear a mask, then you got to wonder why all of a sudden is it okay for him to do it? Shouldn't he, as the former president, be setting an example Republican Party consultant Ryan James Gurdesky said to the New York Post, It's hypocrisy at its finest and shows they don't believe what they are saying. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, let's just say, you know, you're somebody who's been believing it this whole time. You've been wearing your mask. You went and got vaccinated. You've been following the guidelines. And then you see somebody as prominent a figure as Barack Obama hosting a 400 person party not wearing a mask in a big group setting. And you're going to wonder like, am I a fool for following these rules? Because honestly, that's how I would feel. Now, a uh, GOP chairwoman and upstate New York representative, Elise Stefanik said, the liberal elites are laughing at us, attempting to sell this as a scaled back party. And, that is so true. Over the past year and a half, we have seen time and time again these liberal elites breaking their own rules or directly going against what they are trying to tell the general population to do. So that brings me into our main topic today, which is COVID-19 rules for thee, but not for me. According to the U.S. Census Bureau's first household pulse survey of 2021, Anxiety rates are now 35.9% up from 6.1% before the pandemic. Anxiety is also the greatest concern amongst young adults. During the pandemic, 43.5% of young adults reported moderate to severe anxiety. Moderate to severe depression among adults jumped from 7% in 2019 to 30.2% over the pandemic. According to the CDC, unintentional drug overdoses, suicide, and liver disease, typically caused by alcoholism, are now the first, second, and sixth leading cause of death for people ages 15 to 44. Mental health was a serious concern for many prior to the pandemic. It is now a major public health crisis. The media has fear mongered since day one to intimidate the public and scare them into isolation. Day in and day out, we saw the COVID ticker on our TV screens reminding us of each infection and each death. We were told visiting our family members could kill them. Sending our children to school could kill them. Leaving our houses could kill us. Attending social events meant we were selfish and didn't care about anyone but ourselves. And the list goes on and on. The media shamed mostly conservatives for speaking out against the draconian lockdowns. They demonized President Trump when he said another lockdown would, quote, ultimately inflict more harm than it would prevent, last August. We have seen time and time again conservatives getting called out for speaking up against lockdowns, and yet, when Democrats break their own rules, the mainstream media turns a blind eye. On March sixteenth, 2020, President Donald Trump announced his administration's 15 Days to Slow the Spread campaign. Americans were asked to stay home for 15 days to slow the spread of the coronavirus and give hospitals a better chance to prepare for the influx of patients that was sure to follow. Almost overnight, American life changed in fundamental ways. Schools and restaurants closed. Many people started working from home, and more than 3 million Americans quickly lost their jobs. Only a week after the 15 days to slow the spread was implemented, President Trump stated in a briefing that, quote, our country wasn't built to be shut down. He reiterated that he did not want the country shut down for months. He suggested that we could open up parts of the country while still keeping a watchful eye on areas that were still having high number of cases. The next day, Trump made his now infamous remark about wanting to have the country open up by Easter. And I believe this is where the rift really began between people that wanted to open back up and those that wanted the country to remain shut down. The 15 days to slow the spread proved unsuccessful as the deadline approached. The United States cases were surging and had just surpassed China. Trump stopped mentioning Easter and New York City became the epicenter of the new COVID-19 cases. At a time when Americans should have come together to work on a solution, they were divided. People were playing the blame game and making President Trump out to be the bad guy. Remember, this was at a time when even the scientists didn't know much about COVID. This was still a time when consumers were being told not to go out and buy masks, that they wouldn't work against the coronavirus. It didn't take long, though, for the hypocrisy to begin. In fact, on the very day President Trump announced the 15 days to slow the spread, a certain mayor didn't heed the warning. On March 16th, at 9 a.m., New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, oh, I'm sorry, former, former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, along with New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy and Connecticut Governor Ned Lamont, announced measures that would shut down virtually all non-essential businesses by 8 p.m. that same evening. This followed a New York City government request the night before that all residents remain in their homes except for essential activities like grocery shopping, medical services, and work if they're not able to work from home. Interestingly, though, it seems New York City's own mayor, Bill de Blasio, didn't get the message. Or perhaps he just didn't care because the very next morning he was seen working out at his gym in Brooklyn. Then, to make matters worse instead of just coming out and owning up to breaking his own rules and apologizing he defended his decision to go to the gym that morning and said he was saying goodbye to a huge part of his life this has to be the most tone-deaf statement he could have made these shutdowns caused thousands of businesses to close and millions to be left unemployed, but the gym was a huge part of his life that he would be saying goodbye to. This was the first instance of many rules for thee but not for me scenarios that took place over the lockdown periods. In early April, New Mexico Governor Lujan Grisham urged New Mexicans to stay home and to only go out for essential items such as food. She also announced that all non-essential businesses would be closed. However, just days later, it was reported that the governor called an employee at Lilly Barrick on Paseo, which is a jewelry store, to buy expensive jewelry. Allegedly, the jewelry was bought over the phone, but the employee went to the store, got the jewelry, and placed it outside the door of the store where someone who knew the governor picked it up. A spokesman for the governor pointed to the governor's order at the time, stating, quote, none of the state's public health orders have restricted the conduct of business operations in which an employee only interacts with clients or customers remotely. However, that same order also states it requires the closure of physical retail spaces and doesn't mention anything about home delivery. I want to make it clear that this was a time when all non-essential businesses were forced to close their doors, and there was no exceptions made for curbside pickups or the like. While yes, this was contactless and seemingly COVID-friendly, the point is that other businesses were not allowed to conduct business in any manner unless they were deemed essential, and jewelry stores are non-essential. The governor of New Mexico did not care that she was violating her own orders by having a non-essential business conduct what essentially is a business transaction, while every other store had to remain closed. Other businesses that did not interpret the rules in the same way the governor did lost down on hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue due to the shutdown orders. On March 31st of 2020, Chris Cuomo of CNN and brother to former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo tested positive for COVID. At the time, he reported mild symptoms and was quarantining in his basement. That's until Easter weekend, though, when he should have still been under a 14-day quarantine. He was caught outdoors and maskless by a nearby cyclist who confronted him. The cyclist said he recognized Chris Cuomo from his show on CNN and asked him if he had the virus and if he was supposed to be self-quarantining. The cyclist said, I think his next words were, What the hell do you know about this? What do you know about the rules? The cyclist said his daughter is a doctor at Johns Hopkins University and said he's been calling people out for not practicing social distancing or safe preventative measures amid the outbreak. At that point, the cyclist said Cuomo started to become agitated and began moving closer and closer toward him in a threatening manner and even said to him that they would, quote, meet again over this. As if one Cuomo isn't bad enough, and as if Andrew Cuomo hasn't already had enough bad press, <laughs> um, it looks like it runs in the family. So when former Governor Andrew Cuomo took a trip to Georgia to hand deliver some COVID-19 supplies, he was photographed speaking to the mayor of Savannah without a mask on. Now, At the time, Georgia was one of the states that was requiring any travelers from New York to quarantine for 14 days upon arrival. While Cuomo and his team would be considered essential workers and exempted from the rule, was it really necessary during a pandemic for the governor of the state that is the epicenter to take an unnecessary trip to deliver supplies that could have been shipped safely instead? So let's get one thing straight right off the bat here. This was not a trip to go down and deliver medical supplies to the good people of Georgia out of the kindness of Mr. Cuomo's heart. This was a photo op, a PR stunt, and an incredibly unnecessary trip that may have put people at risk. Going by Cuomo's own standards, all travel that should be avoided was supposed to be avoided. Then we have the mayor of Savannah, who Cuomo was going to take the trip to go see, being highly critical of Georgia Governor Brian Kemp for suspending all local orders requiring mask usage the week before. He specifically said, and I quote, he doesn't give a damn about us. He also suggested Governor Kemp wasn't following the science. <laughs> Have you heard that one before? Interestingly, though, Cuomo was photographed with Mayor Johnson of Savannah and he was not wearing a mask. Okay. He wasn't wearing a mask, but they must have been social distancing, right? Wrong. In the photos, Cuomo is seen hugging, fist bumping, and conversing with people. At least he's not kissing them. Um, But they were all within six feet of him and obviously very close proximity. Um, Once again, once again, we have another governor following do as I say, not as I do. Now, last August, Philadelphia Mayor Jim Kenney was spotted dining indoors at a restaurant in Maryland after forcing restaurants in his own city to shut down indoor dining. Let's not forget that over a thousand businesses in Philadelphia alone had to permanently shut their doors because these orders caused them to not be able to continue operating, and therefore they lost money. Mayor Kenney set the rule, and then he curtailed around it. The photo that circulated online showed Kenny dining in a restaurant, maskless, and not socially distanced. In a tweet, he said, quote, I know some are upset that I dined indoors at a restaurant in Maryland yesterday. I felt the risk was low because the county I visited has fewer than 800 COVID 19 cases compared to over 33,000 cases in Philadelphia. Regardless, I understand the frustration. I'm sorry, but you don't get to have it both ways. Mayor Kenny is a person in leadership and he should be leading his constituents by example. Regardless of case numbers, he has a duty to set the example. And if you want the people in your jurisdiction to not go out to eat, then you need to refrain as well. That doesn't mean pop across the Maryland border and boom, everything is fine. COVID doesn't exist. And, you know, screw everyone who has lost their businesses in Philadelphia because of your rules. Don't worry, we can all just go have food at Maryland. We don't, we don't need any restaurants here. Yeah, right. Okay, y'all. <laughs> We're going to talk about one of my favorite politicians to talk shit about. That's Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. She's just such a, she's such a character. She's such an interesting person such an odd one that Lori Lightfoot anyways (laughs) at this point though I mean she's done so much contradictory hypocritical shit over the past year and a half that at this point she either just can't help herself or she's trolling everyone (laughs) and and the excuses she gives I'm gonna get right into it she's been caught again and again and again violating her own orders uh let's start at the beginning. So back in March of twenty twenty, she practically shamed people who were wanting to have hair salons open back up. She said, quote, getting your roots done is not essential. End quote. Well hold on, Lori. Let me tell you, I looked a wreck by about April. I had light red hair back then, dark brown roots. Oh yeah. I looked a hot mess. But you're right. In the middle of a pandemic, it's not essential. I get it. We have to give up some things, give up some luxuries, like getting our hair done for a little while in order to protect ourselves and others around us, especially in March and April of that year. Those were times where, yeah, it was a little bit scary. Um, right. So she says it's not essential. But then only a few days later, she reopened a shut down salon that was closed under the state governor's lockdown order for a special treatment. When asked why she was allowed to get her hair done, even though it was considered non-essential, she said, quote, I'm the public face of this city. I'm on national media, and I'm out in the public eye. So basically, it's because she feels that she's more important than anyone else. Girl, you don't think I wanted to get my hair done? I looked horrible. But I guess because I wasn't the mayor of Chicago, my hair wasn't as important. I got to look a mess on Zoom and everything else. But you know, I'm so glad that Lori Lightfoot got to got get her inch and a half of hair done. Good for her. Then in November, when Joe Biden was declared the winner of the twenty twenty presidential election, she was out in the streets, maskless, celebrating the victory and screaming through a bullhorn. Remember, we didn't have vaccines at this time. Well, guess we had them but they weren't being distributed yet so that's not an excuse and there were hundreds of people surrounding her as she cheered and celebrated again maskless her excuse this time quote that crowd was gathered whether i was there or not not the point Lori. not the point republicans were shamed for attending trump rallies all summer and fall They were called super spreader events and the Dems got on TV every day and talked about how irresponsible it was and how people ought to be ashamed of themselves for going to these events. But when a fellow Democrat does it, eh, not a big deal. That crowd's going to be there whether I'm there or not. So I might as well go and, and encourage it. What do you think the media would have said if Trump had given that response? What do you think they would have said if, if Trump had been declared the winner, and you know, let's just say, like, maybe like, um, Daddy DeSantis, governor of Florida, was out there with a bullhorn, like, celebrating and being like, oh, yeah, Trump won. Let's have a party in the streets and, and celebrate and take our masks off and everything else. Um, yeah, that I don't think that would have gone over so well. I don't think they would have taken too kindly to it. <laughs> Now, as if those two instances weren't already enough for Lori Lightfoot to rein it in and realize her hypocrisy, as recently as this month, you guys, like literally just a few days ago, she a 100,000 people per day into Grant Park in Chicago for Lollapalooza. And not only that, she attended the event herself. Now, don't get me wrong. I want music festivals and concerts concerts back just as much as everyone else. But Lori Lightfoot has been threatening to implement new restrictions if cases reach 200 per day. You can't have it both ways. You can't say we're having such serious problems with COVID that we might have to set new restrictions for the residents of Chicago and at the same time welcome a huge music festival to your city and attend it. Mayor Lightfoot said in a statement, quote, it's outdoors. We've been having large scale events all over the city since June without major problems or issues. The Lola team has been phenomenal. They've hired their own public health experts who've been working hard or sorry, have been working hand in glove with us since we started these discussions. And while it's great, it still doesn't change the fact that she's threatening the people in her own city with more restrictions while still allowing this gigantic event to go forward. Let's just be straightforward here. This music festival is going to bring in a ton of revenue for the city of Chicago, and that's why it was allowed to go on. I guess COVID is selective and won't target the festival of a 100,000 plus people, but everyone else in the city is at risk just for existing. Makes a lot of sense. Next up, we have another lady who just can't help herself. Another one of my favorites to, to talk shit about here. Um, she just had to get her hair done too, okay? Nancy Pelosi, welcome to your tape. <laughs> okay, in all seriousness though, Pelosi was seen trotting through a hair salon maskless in San Francisco when all salons were ordered to be shut down as they were deemed non essential. Well, I guess non-essential only applies to people who aren't Nancy Pelosi. And of course, in Democrat fashion, she just couldn't take responsibility and insisted that she had been set up. In a press conference, she said, quote, I take responsibility for trusting the word of the neighborhood salon that I've been to many times. It was a setup, and I take responsibility for falling for a setup. She even said that the salon owes her an apology for supposedly setting her up. <laughs> the salon owner was actually interviewed on Tucker Carlson tonight and said she she, she couldn't prevent one of her employees renting a chair to provide the service. She also refuted the allegation that the house speaker had been set up. She said, quote, there was no way I could have set that up. I've had a camera system in there for five years. I mean, I didn't go in there and turn cameras on as soon as she walked in and set her up. So that is absolutely false. So instead of Nancy taking responsibility and being honest, she took the route of making the salon look like the bad guys. These were orders implemented by her and all her little friends that shut businesses down for months. People lost their livelihoods, fell into depression, anxiety, just like what we talked about at the beginning, and and worse, but... But because she wants to get her hair done, we can throw COVID out the window and allow the salon to open for a short while so Pelosi can get her hair done. And then she wants to call it a setup. No one made you make the arrangements. No one made you walk in there. No one made you take your mask off. And you want to call it a setup? If that's the case, then in the words of President Trump, Nancy, you're not supposed to get set up. Next up on the list of hypocrites is D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser. Muriel Bowser ordered 14-day quarantines for residents after visiting hotspot areas, including Delaware. Days later, she took a trip to Joe Biden's Wilmington Victory rally to celebrate. Bowser explained that her trip to the political rally was, quote, essential travel and therefore not subject to her own rules. How is going to a victory rally essential travel, Muriel? <laughs> These people literally cannot even follow their own rules. Essential travel to go to basically a party. Okay, that, that makes sense. Now, um, let's let's go over to the other side of the country again for, for a minute here. Uh, the day before Thanksgiving, Denver, Colorado Mayor Michael Hancock tweeted, quote, avoid travel if you can. That was 30 minutes before he boarded a flight to visit his daughter in Mississippi. Prior to takeoff, he also urged city staff to cancel their travel plans for the holiday. In an email to employees, he wrote, quote, As the holidays approach, we all long to be with our families in person. But with the continued rise in cases, I'm urging you to refrain from travel this Thanksgiving. So... <laughs> Let's all remember how much of a frenzy the mainstream media was in during Thanksgiving time. Some places were threatening going door to door to make sure people weren't gathering in groups larger than what was what was permitted. It was everywhere. Don't travel. Don't go visit your families. You're putting people at risk. You're going to kill your grandma. Everything. They used everything to deter people from um, from traveling for the holiday. Apparently, though, the mayor of Denver thinks he's barred from having to follow his own rules and his own guidelines. I guess the need for him to see his family far exceeds anyone else's need. Also, around Thanksgiving time last year, we had uh, California Governor Gavin Newsom violating his own rules. After handing down rules that prohibit gatherings of more than three households just before the holiday, he was caught dining at a high-priced three-star Michelin restaurant in Napa Valley's wine country with a dozen other people. There were no masks, no distancing, and no outdoor dining. These were all mandates that he put in place for the rest of the population of California. But I guess if you're Gavin Newsom or any of the other people that attended, the rules don't apply to you. Newsom later admitted that he had made a mistake and then tightened lockdown restrictions in the state of California. Yeah, I made a mistake, and now the people of California are going to pay for it. Gavin Newsom had previously been in hot water for announcing back in October that his four children, aged 4 through 11, had actually returned to in-person school. Oh, but not a public school like the one where most people's children would attend. Oh no, because those were still shut down. Well. Doing remote learning, well, <laughs> oh, but no worries, no worries for Mister Newsome though, because he can afford private school. So keep that in mind. While most other children are getting a subpar education because they do not have the structure of being in the classroom, elitists like Gavin Newsom are circumventing their own restrictions to make sure their kids succeed. Why was it okay for his kids to be afforded that luxury while most other children were deprived of the in-person education experience? So it seems like the people in in charge of California are in hot water. First, we have Nancy Pelosi violating the restrictions by going and getting her hair done. Then her nephew, the governor, getting caught dining indoors at a restaurant, maskless, which was prohibited by his own office, and sending his kids to private school, which yes, that's legal. But again, (laughs) that is such a slap in the face. Lucky you, you can afford it. Millions of other people in California can't. Um, But next, we have Los Angeles County Supervisor um, Sheila Cool. I'm not really sure how to say her last name, Um, Sheila, dining at one of her favorite restaurants just hours after voting to ban outdoor, not indoor, outdoor dining in LA for three weeks, calling it, quote, a most dangerous situation. A spokesperson for her commented that the restaurant she was caught dining at was one of her favorites. And she was sad to see it financially struggling. She's so sad to see it struggling. And yet she was the one that voted to force them to not only discontinue indoor dining, but outdoor dining as well. I call bullshit. As of May this year, nearly a third, a third of all restaurants in the state of California have permanently closed their doors. In early November of 2020, as health officials warned of an impending COVID-19 spike, Austin Mayor Steve Adler hosted an outdoor wedding and reception with 20 guests for his daughter at a hotel near downtown. The next morning, Adler and seven other wedding attendees boarded a private jet bound for Cabo San Lucas, Mexico, where they vacationed for a week at a family timeshare. One day into the trip, Mayor Adler decided to get on Facebook Live and discourage the people of Austin from traveling. He said, quote, we need to stay home if you can. This is not the time to relax. We are going to be looking really closely. We may have to close things down if we are not careful, End quote. Not the time to relax? You're in Cabo. <laughs> How much more hypocritical can you possibly get? From your condo in Mexico, you're going to tell people to stay home? It didn't cross your mind that that was just a little bit of a double standard? When questioned about it, Adler said he broke neither his nor Governor Greg Abbott's orders. But at the time, the city was recommending people not gather in groups of more than 10, and non-essential travel was still highly discouraged. In his own video, he said they may have to close things down again if they're not careful. He also gave no indication that he was outside the city as he discussed Austin's rising numbers of cases and reviewed the number of hospital patients. No, he did not get on there and say, hey guys, I'm coming to you from Cabo and just want to let you know that you need to stay home. Of course not, because it would be counterintuitive. He knew he was being hypocritical, but he just didn't give a damn. In early December of last year, Rhode Island Governor Gina... Raimondo tweeted, quote, it's week two of our pause. I know it's been hard, but I want to thank every Rhode Islander who's following our guidance. Please stay home except for essential activities and wear a mask anytime you're with people you don't live with. Together we can turn our case numbers around. Well, just a few days later, she was caught maskless at a wine and paint night in Providence. Are you starting to see a pattern here? It's always... You people stay home, but I can do whatever I want because the rules don't apply to me. As the governor of a state, you should be leading by example. You can't tell your constituents to not leave their houses unless it's absolutely essential, while at the same time continuing to live your life and go places that are not essential with no regard for the level of hypocrisy you are exhibiting. So we all know that last May, um, there was a killing of an unarmed black man George Floyd and we saw some protests happening all over the world including right here in the United States this these these protests and you know subsequent riots were going on during the shutdowns and restrictions leading up to this there'd been great debate about opening back up some states like Florida had already been open and were receiving a lot of flack from the media All they did was talk about how it would cause an uptick in cases and even outdoor activities like going to the beach weren't even safe because, well, the bathrooms on the beach would put people in close proximity to each other and therefore COVID could still be easily spread. We heard this shit day in and day out. We can't open up. You have to wear your mask and everything else that went right along with it. But interestingly, as these protests, and again, subsequent riots erupted throughout the country and lasted months we heard how it was necessary that these protests took place last june los angeles mayor eric garcetti joined black lives matter protesters in solidarity one day after issuing a stay-at-home order he said i hear you i hear what you're saying about the police he said that to the protesters he was down there protesting too and that's that's great. Everything like you have the right to do that. We live in a country where you have the right to assemble. You don't have the right to riot. That'll be a whole other podcast topic. But yes, you have the right to assemble. I even went to one of these um, marches because, yeah, I believe that everybody deserves to be treated fairly and equally and not be judged based on their race. But I wasn't somebody saying you have to wear your mask. You have to stay home. Yeah, I was the one saying, yeah, let's open back up. I'll go. I'll do anything to get out of the house, but you have the very people that were shunning places like Florida for even opening back up, shunning places for lifting their mask um, requirements and everything like that, but then you have it on the flip side, but if it's a, if it's a Black Lives Matter protest, you're fine, you're immune, COVID's not going to get you, But then you get people going to like outdoor Trump rallies being called super spreaders. But when it came to people going to outdoor protests, they were considered heroic. All right. So gathering in the streets, burning down businesses, setting cars on fire and killing people is all okay, And COVID will not get you if you go to an event that the Democrats approve of. But if you go to an event where the Democrats don't approve of it, that's where the COVID will get you. Okay, COVID knows the difference. So we we've established that COVID knows the difference between what event you're at. Um, I'm not sure how that's actually following the science, but um, okay. Like I said, I don't want to talk too much about Black Lives Matter in this episode because I'm planning on doing an entire episode about them. Um, you know, the actual organization Black Lives Matter, not the premise that Black Lives Matter, because obviously they do. But I'm talking about the um, the organization. Um, But, you know, we can clearly see the blatant hypocrisy, the blatant hypocrisy that went on during that time. I mean, just think about what what the people on the news were saying compared to a Black Lives Matter protest versus a Trump rally. And that's actually why Trump started calling his rallies protests, Um, peaceful protests, because um, apparently peaceful protests were okay, and even not so peaceful protests. Um, and, and you know, these these double standards are still ongoing. Just last month, Reuters was called out by Accuracy and Media, a group that works to expose bias reporting. Reuters had warned that Cubans protesting against the socialist regime, quote, will increase the risk of COVID-19 transmission. Only one year after saying there was likely no link to an increase in COVID cases following Black Lives Matter protests in the summer of 2020. Oh, I get it. COVID knows which protest to infiltrate. And it seems to be the ones that Dems don't agree with. Just like I said earlier, if the Dems agree with it, you're good to go. You're not going to get COVID. You can just go right in and you're safe and everything else. But if you're protesting communism, no, you're going to get COVID for sure. You better, you better go back inside your house and just and shut up and behave and be good. And, um, you know, bow down to your communist government because COVID's going to get you. Well, just from these examples alone, we have to ask ourselves why. Why is it safe and okay for these people that hold positions of power to violate the rules put in place for supposed safety when the rest of the nation was expected to shutter at home with no job, no sense of security, and increasing depression, anxiety, alcohol, and drug use? Why were businesses forced to shut down, many of which never reopened? Why did we have to destroy an amazing economy for the sake of public health when the very people that wrote the rules violated them left and right? Why were our children forced to attend virtual school, 8 out of 10 of which fell behind due to the circumstances? Why is our government allowing thousands of people to cross the border into our country that haven't even been tested for COVID-19? You have to ask yourself these questions and really try and get to the bottom of it. It comes down to one of two things. Either they had some sort of knowledge that this virus wasn't as scary as it was being made out to be and the restrictions were just a show of force, possibly to lead to the taking away of more freedoms. Or... They simply just did not care. And I have a hard time believing the second one, because if that were the case, why the restrictions in the first place? Why put restrictions on people out of a concern for health and safety if you aren't going to follow them? We need to be demanding answers from these politicians and these individuals that have made a mockery of us for the past year and a half. And even now, some places are talking about another possible lockdown. When will enough be enough? So earlier, I gave you all some numbers regarding the toll this virus and the subsequent lockdowns have taken on people's mental health. The reason I did that is because I want you all to see that while people have been suffering, not just from the virus, but from mental health issues that directly correlate to the lockdowns, the very people that enforce the lockdowns are the ones breaking the rules. People have been traumatized and mentally gutted from this experience. It is a slap in the face that any of these politicians still hold power after they implemented orders that caused more harm than good. And not only that, they couldn't even stick to their own protocols. They went on a power trip with these lockdowns and cost some people their mental stability. They cost the people their mental stability, their livelihoods, some of them their jobs, their businesses, their financial stability. And th- that's just a few of the things. I mean, think about what, this, what, this, what the lockdowns have costed you. What, what has it costed you? Not COVID, the virus itself, but the actual lockdowns. What kind of hell did that put you through? They didn't care how it would affect the people living in their regions. All they cared about was a show of power and control. I hope that this episode has got you to think about some of these blatant in-your-face hypocrisies and the double standard that exists. I'd love to continue the conversation over on my Instagram. You can follow at Moderate Millennial Podcast over on IG and let me know what you think of the episode. I hope you all have a wonderful and safe rest of your day, and I will be back next Friday to tackle another topic head on. The Moderate Millennial is written, hosted, and produced by me, Tiffany Trujillo. To stay up to date, follow at Moderate Millennial Podcast on Instagram. Have ideas for the show or want to collab? Send me a DM. A big thank you to all the sources listed in the show notes and to all of you for listening. Goodbye.